Welcome to the Scale Up Your Business podcast. In this podcast, we talk about what it takes to go from startup to scale up and beyond. How to significantly grow your business, create freedom, build wealth, and live life on your terms. Featuring some very special guests and experts to give you advice and direction on your journey. And now, introducing your host, entrepreneur, investor, and scale-up specialist, Nick Bradley. Hi, everyone. It's Nick here, and welcome to Scale Up Your Business. So today, I am really, really excited to have on the show one of the absolute superstars in the world of marketing. So Neil Patel has been called an absolute genius, the mad scientist of marketing. He is a New York Times best-selling author. The Wall Street Journal has called him one of the top influencers on the web, and Forbes magazine has called him one of the top 10 marketeers of our time. He was even recognized as one of the top 100 entrepreneurs under the age of 30 by President Obama and one of the top 100 entrepreneurs under the age of 35 by the United Nations. Neil has worked with some amazing companies, including Amazon, Microsoft, Airbnb, and Google, working on literally just some amazing marketing strategies and techniques. And and he really has pioneered digital marketing over the last 15 to 20 years. So as I said, I'm absolutely excited to have him on the show because you know when I talk about scale-up, I talk about marketing a hell of a lot because I think marketing is one of the most crucial things that you need to get right when you're in the scale-up journey. And one of the things that's great about the conversation I have with Neil today, I'll let him explain how he's kind of done what he's done. But one of the big things that surprises me is that we spend a lot of time talking about brand. And if you do any research on Neil, you find that he's actually probably more well known for experiments around direct response and and data and analytics. He's very, very strong and very technically minded. But his big, I suppose, epiphany and certainly what he says on the program is around brand. So, you know, I'll let you get into that today when you listen to the episode. But, you know, as I always say, when I bring these experts on and I try and, you know, position the questions around the journey that I know you're all going on, then you are going to get a heap out of this show. So, yeah, enjoy the program. I uh, hope you enjoy, Neil. If you've got any questions whatsoever or you want any help, particularly in the marketing side of your business, please get in touch. So, without further ado, welcome to the show, Neil Patel. Hi everyone, it's Nick here and welcome to another episode of Scale Up Your Business. I am absolutely honored, delighted to have with me today, Neil Patel. Now, if you have not heard of Neil, I think most people in the world have heard of you if they've got anything to do with marketing, Neil. Thank you. <laughs> you are been, you've been called the mad scientist of marketing. You've been prolific in this space for a number of years. Combination of kind of you know, looking at the data and analytics of what used to be called digital marketing, which is now just marketing. To doing a whole heap of stuff. So listen, welcome to Scale Your Business. Ah, thanks for having me. Right. Well, listen, you know what? For those who haven't heard of you, right, just do a quick intro, kind of what you've been doing, how you've got into this space and how you've become so prolific in the world of marketing. Sure. So I have an ad agency called Neil Patel Digital. We have seven offices uh, globally, uh, expanding quite rapidly. Uh, I also have a software company called Ubersuggest. I blog at neilpatel.com. Uh, Ubersuggest, a software helps you just grow your traffic. And in general, you know, over the years, I got into marketing because I started my first business when I was 16. And when you're 16 years old and you're picking up trash and cleaning restrooms for a living, 
you don't really have that much money to pay marketing firms to help you. Paid a marketing firm with all the money I saved up, which wasn't much. So I kind of hired the cream of the crop. Uh, got burned. Had no choice but to learn it on my own. Got good at it. Started getting traffic. I still wasn't making money, though. And I was like, I can't figure out how to make money, but I can get traffic. So let me just sell this as a service. And then, you know, my journey started from there. And I've done everything. Let's let's go back a bit. When when was that? So you know, because obviously you know, the journey of marketing and now, as we're saying, digital has changed and evolved so rapidly. When were you doing this? Ooh, around two thousand and two, two thousand and three. Wow, I didn't even think Amazon was cool then. Well, they might have been trying to be cool, and then everyone sort of said they didn't know what was going to happen. I, I can't remember the timeline, but it was it was pre all of the stuff really exploding, wasn't it? Correct. Yes. Wow. Okay. And what, so you said you had to kind of learn this stuff, right? So what, what was it back then that kind of, you know, what were the first things that you really started to um, see were working in terms of getting traffic to sites and things like that? Sure. Uh, you know, back then it was mainly SEO. There wasn't Facebook. There wasn't a lot of these popular sites. MySpace eventually started taking off. Uh, it was mainly Google and Google wasn't even the, the, they were big, but they weren't as ma- anywhere nearly as massive as they are now, and they didn't really control the market share of search globally. Sure, they, they were winning, but they weren't, you know, like 90 percentile in many categories like they are now. So back, I mean, because I'm trying to think, I'm an old guy, right? So I'm 45, and I used to be a marketing dude. So back in the sort of 90s, I was a brand marketing guy. So I studied, um, I suppose my first thing out of university was going to Coca-Cola and doing their graduate program. And we were taught back then, you know, it's quite funny. It was all about sticking things on the sides of buses and coming up with these very, how do I put it, not very scientific ways of measuring things, <laughs> you know, to try and get to a return of investment. But then I moved into the world of um, publishing, magazine publishing. And I was kind of around when the magazine started going south and then it was all digital. So I sort of saw the transition in the 2000s and I had to relearn a lot of things myself. So I kind of know the pain. But um, t- take us through. So you obviously had some success when you were doing this for yourself. You said it came from a position of not being able to afford any agencies. What actually happened? How did your kind of brand um, start to really get some notoriety? How did you get yourself out there? Sure. So you have to keep in mind when you're 16 years old and you barely have money, you can't afford paid ads, right? You you can't afford the massive boots at conferences or anything like that. I took the approach of blogging and speaking at events for free. And that built a brand over time. I wasn't trying to build a brand, nor am I even trying to build one now. I was just trying to generate business back then. Nowadays, yeah, I built a brand, but... I more so love just helping people and the brand is a side effect, right? Or it's helped build a brand uh, indirectly. But when I look at things, I, I built it through just old school blogging, you know, participating on social media, creating videos, doing podcasts, speaking at events. And when you do that for, you know, 15 plus years, you start building a brand uh, and you don't really have the intention to, but it just adds up, right? Well, particularly, particularly when no one else is doing it. I mean, I remember when there was a guy who used to work back in the media trade who started writing a blog in sort of mid, or it would have been early 2000s. Everyone thought he was mad. Yeah. And now, of course, there are still people sort of, you know, talking about doing it 15, 20 years later. Yeah. Um, but it's funny, I, you said a couple of things there which resonate with me. So I, I launched this podcast, not necessarily to build a brand, but to help people for a lot of other different reasons. And and it, you know, it got some notoriety quite quickly just because of the medium and some of the content I talk about. My psychology around this or my kind of mission behind it has been to help people with that expectation. And the byproduct of that, getting your message out there trying to help, is that it starts to, it starts to grow anyway, particularly if the message comes from that place. 
Totally agree. Cool. Excellent. Well, listen, as I said, we have lots of different people who listen to this show. Um, a lot of them are going through what I call the struggle of scale up. And a lot of them get confused by marketing. Um, you kind of think actually, and it's, I, I try and simplify it as best I can, but it'd be really good to get your perspective of what you think marketing is today, particularly considering there's so much change around marketing over recent years. I think marketing today, and I know this sounds cliche because your background is branding, it's just getting your brand out there in as many channels as possible. The, when I first started, um, you could build a business off of one channel. Facebook grew through the referral program through emails. I'm not saying they haven't done other things, but that was a huge factor of their growth early on. Uh, Yelp, uh, companies like Quinn Street, they grew a lot through SEO, right? In other words, there were channels that people were using to grow. Dropbox, you know, tweet out, uh, tweet out a message about signing on Dropbox will give you more space. Things like that has really helped grow Dropbox over the years. So when you think about how some of these companies have grown through one channels, you know, channels nowadays are very crowded. Any channel that's good is going to be crowded. It's just a question when, and it's going to get expensive. Again, it's just a question of when. So nowadays marketing has turned into omni-channel approach in which going and relying on one channel doesn't work anymore, especially because there's all these algorithms. It may work really well at the beginning, but algorithms get tougher and tougher, it gets harder and harder, paid ads get more expensive, people raise more money, they're willing to lose money for longer because they have such a big bankroll, right? So in other words, you have no choice but to try out all the channels because they're all gonna get crowded, it's just a question. The second thing with marketing is, it's not hard or expensive to copy someone's products, features, messaging, design, whatever it may be. For that reason, the biggest thing that you have an advantage, your moat, as you would say, would be your brand, mm -hmm. right? You still buy Nike shoes because they're Nike. Um, Kylie Cosmetics is a great example of this. Kylie Jenner, right, one of the Kardashians. Her company valued yep. at a billion dollars. And if you look at what they say her net worth is on Forbes, they say over a billion dollars. Sure, she probably has partners in taxes and whatever that, but let's not get into details. Nonetheless, she's rich, right? She's rich as shit. She's done very well. And you know what's amazing about what she did? I'm not trying to knock her on this. I'm actually giving her props for this. I don't know the cosmetic space, but I bet you there's other people who have products that are just as good as hers, right? Um, because there's so many people in this world, roughly 7 billion, there's a chance that someone else has created a cosmetics company with a product that's just as equivalent as good, maybe even potentially better. There's even people out there who have created better products than me who are competitors. I'm not saying I'm the best at anything. Again, I'm not trying to talk crap on Kylie. But yet, she created a very large company really quickly. What made her do really well? Her brand. Beats by Dre. Beats by Dre has done very well in the past. They sold to Apple for over a billion dollars. Why? Because every single celebrity was rocking a Beats by Dre headphone when they were going through the NBA game or soccer game or football game, whatever you want to end up calling it. They were out I'm listening to them now. There you go. See, it's, it's even made its way to little old England and, and little old Nick. It, it, exactly. <laughs> so branding is what sets you apart. It's that touchy-feely, emotional feeling. And the question is, is can you get your brand everywhere? So combine pushing up. Have you, always, have, you, have you always thought this? I mean, back to what you said at the very beginning, you said it was about, because I, I, you know, my, my expectation meeting you today and having this conversation 
would be that we'll get pretty, pretty technical pretty quickly. Because, <laughs> you know, a lot of your brand is around... Very technical, actually, yeah. ...stuff and testing. Yeah, which is, which is one of the things I quite like about what you do. But you've actually sort of surprised me here a bit because you're talking a different language. I can see it. I totally get why you're saying it. Do you reckon that is that a change or is that something that just now you have to have a strong brand because, you know, as you said, this, you've got to get it out there in so many different channels. It's the only real differentiator um, because of how things have evolved. See, I've been an entrepreneur for long enough. Uh, there's people who have been doing it longer than me, but I've been doing it for roughly 18 years now. All right. So when you look at the math, before, I used to be able to create companies, and yet keep in mind, I've also had an agency, a consulting agency for so long, I've seen thousands and thousands of businesses and data. Used to be able to create big businesses. When I'm saying big businesses, go from very small to over 100 million just through tactics and grinding it out and having really good people. But what's changed over the years is there's just so much competition because the cost of creative business these days is so cheap that these tactics and these strategies that you do, everyone is copying. So the biggest differentiator that we're seeing in the last few years has been brand. Wow. That's cool. I love that. Of course, I'd say that because it's my background. <laughs> but, but, just think of it, right? You, you want to go to Harrods or whatever shopping center. You go there not because they rank on Google. You go there because of their brand. You, you buy a BMW or, or, or a Merck because of their brand. You have an American Express or a Visa or a MasterCard because of their brand. You don't Google, huh, I want a credit card. Where do I go? You just know these brands. You want a car. I'm not saying it's going to be a Mercedes or BMW, but you probably already know some brands that you like. There is no Googling involved. That's the power of branding. The problem with branding, though, is there's no short-term ROI. Long-term, huge ROI. Short-term, you're going to lose your tail. So you have to, in the short run, go with the actionable tactics to try to get as much ROI and cash flow so that way you can invest in the branding in the long run. How do you, I mean, it's a great, it's a great sort of thought in here in terms of what you're saying, but how do you bring these, these pieces together? So let's say, for example, you've got to have a brand strategy and you've got to get it out there. Okay, I get that. How do you know if your brand strategy is right? Is that just from the feedback you're getting from the market? Uh, so I'm no by, expertise by on brand. The, the way I do is I, I, th I look at brand and see it and feel it. I didn't come up with this quote on how people are talking about you when you're not in the room or your company is not present. Mm -hmm. And... What is the perception? What do people feel about your brand? What do they think about your brand, right? What do they tell others about your brand? That's how I look at branding. And I look at branding the same way as I go out there and do my own marketing, which is have your brand stand for something that helps and makes people's lives better. Not just from a monetary standpoint, but how can you actually help people solve their problems? And if you can do that and you put people first and you truly and genuinely care about them, I believe you'll do well in the long run. It's a slow race. You don't have to spend as much money, but you have to help people first. No, I love that. I love that. And I do see that. I mean, the brands that are doing really, really well, the ones who are consistent over time and have, as I always say, a stronger mission or purpose behind what they do. In some cases, I mean, someone said to me once that, um, you know, successful companies, it becomes a spiritual thing, actually, measured by the number of zeros on their balance sheet. <laughs> Because actually, the more they help people and the more they do that with the right sort of level of integrity and congruency, then that's how it works. Cool. Okay. So let's just go into um, getting it out there because you mentioned a couple of things there beforehand about there's so many different places now, so many different choices. If you are a business of any size and you're looking at this and you, you've got a brand and you've got a message and you're very clear on that, but you're a bit overwhelmed about what you do first, you know, where do you start in this world now with so much choice? 
I would start out there with tactics and just go after each channel. So I would start with a few things, uploading videos every single week on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, uh, Twitter, and whatever social network you want. Because you can take the same video and re-upload it to each social channel and get views. The second thing I would do is go live once a week on all the channels. When you go live and you give advice and at the same time, when people ask you questions related to your business, you can talk about your business. Or if no one's asking you questions, throughout the live session, a, few, a portion of the time, 10, 20% of the time, you can talk about your business as well. These social networks are trying to go after live TV and they're trying to compete heavily for the attention. So by you going live, they push it, their algorithms push it to all your followers, their followers, your, your followers' followers. So you'll get way more views and way more reach, which will help you get sales. The next thing I would do is start creating three blog posts a week that are just educational. And if you're not sure on what to write about, you can go to Uber Suggest for free and you can type in any keyword, it doesn't even require a login. For free, you can go to the content ideas report and I'll show you a handful of results of what's popular in your space that you can write on based off of social shares, people linking to competitors' posts, and how much traffic they're getting from Google. So that'll give you an idea of what to write on. And when you look at those pages, what I want you to do is write content that's more in-depth, more detailed. Think of um, skyscrapers, all right? You build a skyscraper in the US that's super tall, then you have someone in the UK who builds one taller, then you have someone in Abu Dhabi who builds one that's five times taller, then you have someone in China, it's never ending. Think of that with your content as well, which you want to just get more detail. The next thing I want you to do as you're writing content, you're probably citing sources, linking out to other people because you don't want to just write content. You want to be seen as an expert. So you need to include data, stats, and cite your sources. I want you to email out every single person that you link out to being like, such as, hey, Nick, just want to say I'm a huge fan of yours. So much so I linked out to you in my latest blog post. You can check it out here. If you enjoyed it, feel free and share it. It would mean the world your fan, Neil, right? So starting to do that will start getting you more uh, traffic as well. The next thing I want you to do is start leveraging push notifications. Are you familiar with push notifications? Yeah, I mean, is this where you start to talk more about the, what the, this is not the Facebook Messenger stuff, is it? No, you so, put that in so the same category? You, you know, in your browser, you'll get a little message on the top, right? Every once in a while, oh. like, oh, you got ex friends that have a birthday on Facebook or someone on YouTube or you. Yes, yes, yes. That's called a push notification. There's a lot of free tools out there that you can do it with, like subscribers.com. And you can send out a push. So every time someone comes to your website, they can subscribe with a little click so you don't have to worry about GDPR. And then you can send them messages. Every time you're e-commerce truck, you have more items in stock, it can send them a message automatically. Every time you have a new blog post, you can send them a message. Every time you have a new product, send them a message. A sale, send them a message. It's ways to get your audience to keep coming back so that way you can generate more sales. And then the next thing I want you to start doing is collecting emails. You can do it through free tools like uh, Hello Bar, Sumo. These are all examples. You can start sending emails for free through MailChimp. So that way, again, when people come to your site, they can subscribe. And then you can send a message for blog posts, promotions, uh, discounts, whatever it may be. And the key by doing all of this, think of it this way. When you're doing all these things, you're writing content, you're getting more social traffic and SEO traffic. Being on the social web, you're getting more views. People are connecting with you because you're doing video. Uh, when you are you know, going out there doing push notifications, people keep coming back to you, emails, same thing. All of this is not only just generating sales, but it's building your brand. Because I believe in something called the rule of seven. When someone 
sees you or engage with you seven times, they're much more likely to remember your brand and convert into a loyal customer. So all these tactics aren't just driving you sales, but they're building up your brand over time. Yeah, awesome. Love it. And what do you think then about you know, traditional funnels? I mean, I don't like the word, but I'll put it out there. But when you sort of have the things like ADA, like, you know, awareness, interest, desire, action, do they, those things still work in your world or have they evolved? No, I, I, I think they do work. Um, and they haven't, when I mean, when you think about evolving, the biggest way they've evolved is just the channels have changed. There's more of a, they're more mm. crowded. Um, but, you know, the beautiful part is it's so cheap to do this stuff. You know, TV and radio ads are super expensive. Funny enough, if you buy remnant inventory on TV and radio, it's actually not that bad. Most people don't know that. Um, and TV... Well, the prices had to change, haven't they? I mean, because there is a piece here. I mean, you've, you mentioned it's cheap. I almost say it's almost free, some of this stuff. It's not free, 100%, because you've got to produce the content that takes time. Yes. And, you know, there's tools that you have to use. But considering what it was like even 10 years ago, the opportunity for someone to get their brand and their message out there, it's never been as um, accessible. As it is now. Exactly. And I look at all this stuff and I'm like, it's just super affordable in, in the grand scheme of things, especially if you already have a business that's making millions. You can do a lot with TV advertising for 20 grand a month or $10,000 a month. You'll be shocked. So like, I'm a big believer of you just go out there and push, 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 get your brand out there and eventually relay into some sales. Yeah, cool. One of the things you mentioned before when you were sort of going through that, that list of really good ideas um, was a lot about video. Um, and you also mentioned obviously about written word. So wh where's your head at the moment around those two things? Is video just much more important because of the way the algorithms of the platforms favor that as a medium? Or is it a combination of doing both video and lots of written content as well? It's just the mix. I, I do video, written, and audio. Because if you do a video, you can take okay. it, transcribe it, adjust it, and release it as text-based. Uh, with some of the videos you're doing, it may be appropriate to just cut out the video feed like this. Even though we have a video feed, in theory, you can show it as a video and a podcast, right? In some videos, you can't because you're showing stuff on the screen. But if you're not, you can rip it out and you can do a podcast as well. So I'm big on repurposing and using your content everywhere. Yeah. Now, I do the same thing with podcast episodes. A lot of them get rewritten into posts for LinkedIn or Medium, <clears throat> excuse me, and things like that. And then some of them are short form, some are long form. But it works massively in terms of that. How about measurement? So you know, I, I'm massively into metrics on most things I do with the businesses that I own. When you're measuring marketing these days, is it is it things like followers, likes, shares, the usual sort of thing, or is there a more sophisticated way of looking at this? Obviously, you're trying to build your brand, you want to get reach, but you also want to get engagement and sales. How do you think about those things? Yeah, sure. So I, I look at measurement as just simple ROI. On the front end of something generating a positive ROI, do more of it. If it's not, do less of it. And don't measure it from the front end conversion measure from a lifetime value. Um, so as long as lifetime value, your ROI positive, then great. And what I do is once you're generating enough revenue where your profit's high enough, then what I would do is I start investing in things like branding where it's harder to see the upfront return. But if you know all your potential customers at some sort of conference, you got to sponsor it and be there, right? If you know all your customers are going to be, at, um, you know, uh, or watching some sort of TV show, you got to be there. Got it. So do you look at it then in terms of either campaigns or more integrated marketing things as opposed to one-off then? Yes. So ROI could be, could be a one-off tactic, but it could also be the sum of the parts. Correct. Yes. I think it's a combination of both, right? It's one-off could be a combination. Um, you know, like sometimes we'll do videos and push the videos and we know that from an ad perspective, we're losing money. 
but then we remarket everyone who saw the video and then we show them an ad and the conversions are high enough when you combine them both it's profitable if we didn't do the front end where we didn't push the video and market it the remarketing campaign wouldn't be successful because there wouldn't be as many people to target got it okay so this is where you're getting quite more into the technical side so there's a lot of testing and experimentations happen all the time here yes all day long i'm big on testing pushing and trying new things Awesome. Okay, let's um let's talk a little bit about the platforms if we can. So, um, and I want to talk about um, the more traditional ones, the ones that have been around for a while, and then some of the new ones. So, if I talk about sort of what's happening with say like Facebook now, how do you see that platform at the moment in terms of how you can get the best from it? How it's changed recently? Um, because you hear different things about you know it's harder to get engagement on Facebook now as it is on LinkedIn and all that sort of. You hear these things, but I'd love your perspective on that. Yeah, Facebook is definitely harder. You need to create video content and keep people on Facebook. You need to encourage comments if you want to do well on Facebook. Use it more for brand building than driving traffic to your site, unless you're pushing ads. Uh, and then when people see your content, remarket to them through Facebook ads and try to get them to uh, buy your products and services. Now, the, the next thing I would tell you is, in addition to uh, that, you want to use Facebook Messenger, which is getting less and less favorable for us entrepreneurs and marketers and also push out your content your products your services from that as well yeah i mean i got in trouble the other day <laughs> whatever you want to call it and it was it was literally because of one thing so i was promoting um some education products that i do an accelerator program and it was pretty when you look at the copy that was written there it was pretty basic but because it had scale up and business and all this sort of stuff it got flagged as being a get rich quick scheme which is not really when you get into the content it's helping people grow their businesses but it's not get rich quick and, and, and you don't but, work uh, with we have startups been, right you work with people already have revenue versus people from the ground. yeah it's people who are struck i mean they've already got businesses that are turning over six seven figures usually as a minimum so they're making money but they're just not growing as quickly as they'd like and they want to be able to optimize and get more efficient with what they're doing so we focus on that but just because of the naming in the ads that we were doing and some of that we got sort of barred for a while <laughs> which i thought was quite amusing i believe it okay so linkedin let's talk about that so I, I like i use linkedin quite a lot i like it as a medium generally particularly now it's got video capability in the lives how do you see that platform um evolving and and, and what you can do with it now linkedin is a very generous platform i love it to death uh videos work not as well as it used to a year ago but they still work live works tremendously well on uh linkedin i do apologize for my baby noise uh don't worry, don't worry. It happens here. I normally have the dog coming up and I've got two young daughters that go running around. So everyone, my listeners are used to this. There you go. And I work from <laughs> home and I love it. I don't mind it. So it's like for me, yeah. more time I No, neither do I, mate. Honestly, this is a very relaxed conversation. That's why I like it as well. <laughs> yeah. So with, with LinkedIn, videos do really well. Encourage comments, go live. Those are the three things. Um, also, another strategy that I love using on LinkedIn that works well is I'll post full post content that does well, but I'll also post a few paragraphs and then I'll put a click to continue reading link that drives people to my site and that does very well. Okay, because I've, I've, I've seen people do that with, you know, continue the conversation in the comments, particularly because there's obviously a word count within the main post, but not necessarily go off, go off the platform. Yeah, that works super well. Okay. And, I, and that, you know, when you post on LinkedIn, the key is to have really short sentences because then you get that see more button. The more people that click on see more, it actually increases engagement, which increases the reach. Wow. That's okay. why I don't people don't post yeah, LinkedIn long paragraphs at the very beginning, because when you do the short sentences, you're more likely to get to see more. Okay, got it, got it. No, no, I've, I've been testing that stuff a little bit as well, and I find the same, but I love LinkedIn. I think particularly when, I mean, the one thing I don't understand is, you know, when you when you post something and you put a hashtag in, let's say hashtag business, hashtag post, um, podcast, and then it comes back and says, 
hey, you're trending in one of those categories. What does that mean? Is that just really the popularity of your post within the hashtag? Yeah. Simple as that. Yeah. And is that a, that's a good thing overall? That's a great thing. <laughs> you want more of it. It just, okay, cool. All right, so um, last couple ones. So what do you think of Instagram and Twitter? Let's go into those a bit. You know, the best usage of Instagram to start with. And then I don't use Twitter very much for various reasons, but I'm interested in your thoughts of that as well. So Instagram is great for the personal network. If it's not personal, you won't do as well on Instagram. Uh, Instagram's on your phone. It's more personal. I know Facebook you can have on your phone, but Instagram is a social network for your phone. It's not really for a desktop computer, right? Uh, some people are on there. They're looking for more personal stuff from what we've seen. When you do personal content, it does way better than anything that's promotional. Instagram works really well for e-commerce. Not as good for lead gen from what we've tested. Uh, it's good to get your message out there and branding as well. Um, but yeah, overall, Instagram is a good channel to go after assuming you can create video content. Uh, quotes do really well on Instagram. The less text mm -hmm. when you're posting, the better off you are. The more text rich you are doing, the lower your reach will be. The other thing that we've been seeing do really well with Instagram is, you know, yeah, you can go live and you can do stories. That does well. But you can post carousels, right? Carousels is multiple images and you just keep swiping. So if you do a carousel like, let's say I own a marketing agency how to get more people to open up my emails. People swipe so much, it creates a lot of engagement. So the reach goes up. Also, what you'll find is when you do those carousels that are educational, think of like a mini infographic that people are just swiping. Mm -hmm. However many likes you get, we're seeing roughly 50% of the people sharing it and sending it off. Wow, okay. It's huge. So that's just starting to get really creative with how you use content, isn't it? When you think about it. So, so being a little bit more kind of innovative and just not doing the traditional stuff that everyone does, which is put a post out there. Exactly. Love it. Yeah. Cause I found, I mean, I, and I've seen a lot more these days that people use Instagram, particularly, and I hate the word influencer, but influencers, um, you know, it's what I had for breakfast. It's what car I've got. It's all this sort of stuff, but it, it's a, almost like a snapshot fly on the wall into someone's personal life. And that's really just about what we're trying to build their brand, build authenticity. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. And Twitter. Twitter is one that I, I sort of have a bit of a love-hate relationship with. I mean, it used to have, you know, more saliency a while back. and But it seems to be not as, it depends what you do, I suppose, but I don't tend to use it very much for what I do. Where do you see Twitter's role within this kind of ecosystem? Sure. Tw Twitter's role within the ecosystem is uh, it's great to have a conversation with your customers, uh, your competitors' customers. I look at it as more as a channel for support um and a channel for a quick education and you could do tweet storms where you're just giving out a ton of advice because you're limited on what you can type uh, i don't see video doing as well on twitter uh, i've tried it quite a bit gifs and animated memes do quite well uh, but it's hard for some of us businesses to use that on twitter twitter ads on the other hand are quite affordable and cheap as well right yeah i've seen people use it for um, things like customer service where it works really really well and obviously for news where they can put information out quickly and it needs to spread that way yeah. And what about some of the newer platforms like TikTok? I know Gary Vee talks about it to death and a few of my, my friends and colleagues and clients are playing around with it at the moment. What's your view on it? Uh, I think TikTok's great. Why not use it? Uh, I think it's still new and early. So if you're a small business with no money, go and get on these platforms as early as possible because then when they become popular, if they do, you won't have to spend as much money. Um, if you're a more established business, you don't have as much time, but you have the capital. I'd rather go to these platforms a bit a little bit later once you know they're popular and they're going to stay and they're going to do well and your right audience is on there and then just spend the money and dominate and try to gobble it up. Uh, because when you're a bigger business, money isn't the issue, it's time, right? So 
Yeah. I, I'd rather take my time and push it towards the stuff that's going to give me a direct ROI right away. Yeah. And, and go where your audience is, you know, obviously, because that's going to get you, get you more of a result as well. Okay. Listen, I, I want to kind of finish off today, if that's right, by just talking about some trends, sure. talking about kind of, you know, where you see, if you were going to kind of crystal ball gaze into the future about how marketing's evolved and where it's going to be going. What are some of the trends you see over the next few years? Sure. You're going to see more AI and machine learning. So right now people are using too many tools and they're looking at reports instead of the tools just making the changes for you. Like uh, with the website, you put a JavaScript. A JavaScript is a piece of code, so that way you can track your traffic stats, right? Uh, what most people don't know is that JavaScript can actually make changes to your website for you, like to the actual design, uh, the look, the text, everything. So why can't a robot? Well, fully automated, fully, fully AI driven. Correct. So you'll start seeing more of those kind of things. Wow. Other thing that you'll start seeing in the future as well is uh, voice search will be really popular. Um, it's already becoming extremely popular in Europe and the US. Uh, I don't know about other parts of the world. And voice search is over 50, uh, according to Comscore, was it, it was either 20% or 50% of the searches. No, I think it's 50% of the searches by 2020 will be roughly voice search which is something ridiculous, right? It's a huge stat. Um, hmm. Because people are driving on their phone and they're just talking, right? Or they're talking through Alexa or Google Home. Uh, another thing is you'll start seeing people buy from these devices from voice as well. So right now you can buy from your phone, you click a button on an app like Uber. Voice doesn't have that integrated yet, but there's companies out there like Jetson AI that are making that possible. So you can order a pizza or Uber or whatever it may be from your Alexa device or your Amazon, uh, Google Home. And the other trend you're gonna start seeing is digital and offline are gonna start being combined. So your fridge is gonna have a computer built in and it's gonna be like, you're, you're out of X brand of milk. Would you like to try this other brand? We can get you a free uh, sample that'll be delivered to you in the next one hour. And people who try this brand uh, feel it has a 98% similarity to the previous brand, but yeah, it's half the price and we'll give you a sample for free. Wow. That's so much more intimate though, isn't it? And when you think about it, like the fact is, cause I, I, I sort of coined the, and I'm talking about this quite a bit that the whole B2B and B2C world is changing and it's, it's person to person. You could argue it's always been person to person because you know, to some extent the relationship or the decision for a commercial relationship to happens when someone makes that decision. But it feels like it's becoming even closer and closer now with, with the way technology is becoming so ubiquitous. Exactly. I agree with that. Wow. And what about, what about marketing? What about, you know, for old marketing hacks like me, even though I don't do that anymore, how, how's, how's marketing changing? What, what, what are going to be some of the trends around that? Uh, offline and on, online divide, right? As we mentioned, uh, I think more people are going to spend more money on branding than they ever have before. Uh, things yeah. like Super Bowl ads to Euro Cup ads to Olympic ads. Um, the other thing that I think you're going to start seeing is people are going to be marketing more by giving stuff away for free versus spending the money on the ads. It's just such a cheaper way because ads are so expensive. Yeah. It's actually becoming cheaper to give your product away as a sample or your service away as a sample or limited version then it is to spend the money on ads because it helps you grow through marketing. Yeah, I'm seeing that. I'm, I'm seeing a huge shift as well, Neil, in terms of customer service. I know you do stuff with Amazon or you have done stuff with Amazon in the past, but the level of kind of how they deal with customers now, it's, it's, it almost feels like their business model is, is disrupting the world, not just because of how they've grown, but in terms of like, if, if I've got a product that I just don't like, 
and I'm a prime customer, I can just send it back. There's no hassle. The friction has been removed. And that's making it difficult for other brands to kind of, you know, um, compete, not so much because of the scale, just because of the experience is just so good. Yep. So how, are you seeing that? That's, that's another thing because that's adding a dimension of cost complexity to businesses as well. Exactly. Wow. Yeah, cool. Well, listen, Neil, awesome to have you on. Any last tips that you'd like to give to people who are going through a scale-up journey, trying to grow their businesses, struggling with this whole concept of marketing, just to kind of give them some tips to inspire them and keep them going? Be patient. You always want to scale faster than you ever will. Most businesses scale very at a much slower pace than what they, their ambitions are. And it's just the reality of the situation for almost everyone. Yeah, I love that. Someone said to me once that, you know, you have expectations of what you can do in a year, which are far ahead of what you can achieve in 10 years. And I often say one of my episodes recently was slow, um, slow down to speed up. Cool. Well, listen, Neil Patel, thank you very much for coming on Scale Up Your Business. It's been a delight having you on here. Thank you for your time. Thanks for having me. So there you have it, Neil Patel, talking about everything that's happening in the world of marketing. I suppose the one thing I love about what he says is and I talk about this a little bit as well is about marketing these days is is more or less free it does take time but you've never ever had at your disposal so many platforms so many different ways of getting your message out there getting your brand out there and if you go back and listen again to the, to the piece where he gives you five or six different techniques different tactics about how you can start getting your message out there I suggest you literally pause each part of the uh, of the episode and write down those points and start to put them into practice. It's certainly what I've been doing with my businesses. I can tell you it works. And now you've got the playbook, the blueprint to be able to go and use in your business. So just a quick announcement today. The next um, running of my coaching cohorts will be starting in March. So if you are thinking that you would like to have some coaching or some business mentoring from me, please get in touch. My new website is now live as well. So it's www.nickcbradley.com. If you go there, you'll get a bit more information information about me, how I can help. And as I said, I'm always happy to have a conversation about scaling your business. And if that means we work together, that's great. If you just get some value out of the conversation, then that is absolutely fine as well. I love helping people and helping them get to where they want to be with both their business and their life. So that's it for today. Thank you, everyone. Be grateful, be brave, have faith and show up. Bye for now.